On this week's episode, we're going to talk to Dan Kurzrock. He's the founder of an innovative company that takes the used grain from breweries and upcycles it into usable food products. And Dan started out as a home brewer and really got the entire idea for his business from his homebrewing experience when he was younger. So we're going to talk about Dan and the things that you can do to upcycle your grains and reuse them and a bit about his company called Regrain. We'll get into all that this week on Homebrewing DIY. Building recipes and taking good notes are two of the key fundamentals of making great beer. This is one of the first things that you learn when becoming a new brewer. I started taking notes on a sheet from my extract kit and then quickly moved to brewing software. I've tried many different types of brewing software and then I found Brewfather. This is the one piece of software that you need for recipes and very detailed brew day notes as well as fermentation notes. Brewfather also integrates with some of the topics that we discuss on the show like the till hydrometer, the ice spindle, and ferment track. You need no other piece of software than Brewfather. One of the best parts of Brewfather is that you can try it for free. All you need to do is head to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and click on the Brewfather banner to sign up for free today. Once again, that's homebrewingdiy.beer, and sign up for Brewfather today. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the cruising ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast, and that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean cruising. They are no match for scrubber duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. Have you ever wanted to make a podcast? Do you have a subject you want to discuss with listeners? Do you even know where to start? Well, if you want to make a podcast and you want to get started now, I could not recommend Anchor enough. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Hey, look, I shopped around for a place to post my podcast, and Anchor was the easiest, most streamlined experience you could ask for. So if you're looking for a place for your new podcast, Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, 
Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On this week's show, we're talking to Dan Kurzrock. We're going to talk to him about regrained, and we're also going to discuss with him ways that you can personally upcycle your spent grain and turn it into food. It's a really fun and cool conversation, and he even gives us an amazing recipe in the episode where we will learn how to make flour out of your spent grain. So stick around for the interview. But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. Head on over to homebrewingdiy.beer and click on the support banner. That's going to give you directions on ways that you can support the show. One way is to head over to Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. Or you can give it coffee a one-time support. That's ko-fi.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. Any of those methods are going to be great for helping support the show. Another way to support the show is by writing us a review. You can head over to podchaser.com or you can go to Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom of your app, and just give us a five-star review. Your reviews are going to help others find this show. The last way that you can support the show is to head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and use our sponsor banners. If you purchase Brewfather, or if you were to use a brew in a bag, or even if you were to go over to Adventures in Homebrewing and use those banners, your prices stay the same, but it's going to support the show because they know that we sent you. So once again, that's homebrewingdiy.beer and use our sponsor banners. I had kind of a cool experience this week. I had uh, James Spurgeon, who was on the show last week, talking about harvesting and reusing Kvike. When we were having our conversation about that and doing our recording, he let me know that he was coming to Colorado because uh, he is from Colorado and he was coming to visit some family. And the cool thing is, is he drove from Texas and we were able to actually kind of meet up. Uh, we were we met up at a park, did some social distancing. I also played a little Frisbee golf and he hung out with me and a couple of our my friends. And uh, we were able to get some beers from him. And I'm really excited to try some of his beers. He gave me some Kvikes and some Sours. And so we're going to actually do a cool beer tasting probably sometime in the next couple of weeks where I'm going to go through some of James's beers, uh, get him on the horn and do a quick little beer tasting with him and uh, see, you know, what kind of beer he really makes. So pretty excited about that. And once again, thank you so much, James, for taking the time. A couple of other things going on in the brewery. I sold my Kegel today, kind of crazy I'm, I'm getting and i also got rid of my propane burner so i am officially going electric i have a mash and boil system gonna go with a a 110 version to get started until i can get 220 put into my garage i do have the panel for it i just need to get it run i know it's pretty inexpensive but uh you know we'll, we'll see when it happens i am excited about it i'm gonna make an oktoberfest this weekend going to do a pseudo Oktoberfest using the Scarra strain of Kvike 
and try to ferment it in the mid-70s, maybe low 80s, and see how clean I can make it. And then I'm actually going to try to take it to Jim, who was in episode three, and not tell him that it's a pseudo-logger and see what he thinks. So I might have to record that as well. Well, let's jump into this week's episode. We're going to talk to Dan Kurzrock, and we're going to talk to him about Regrained. I'd like to welcome Dan Kurzrock to the show. Dan, thanks for coming on Homebrewing DIY. How are you doing today? Oh, doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. So Dan is the founder and CEO of a amazing new product called Regrained. And we're going to definitely talk about that a bit. But at, at his core, Dan is a home brewer. So he wants. we're going to talk about specifically how you can reuse some of your spent grain that you have from being a home brewer. So Dan, why don't you give us, a, to start off, a, a bit of history on how you started home brewing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, before you know, before I get into the history, just to describe what Regrained is today, um, you know, we are actually an ingredient company uh, that specializes in using novel technology that we actually patented to create uh, new streams of nutrition uh, for the food world and all the people who eat food, like you and me, every day. And our main uh, ingredient actually comes from the brewing industry. So we work with commercial breweries on rescuing the grain that they've already used to, to brew beer. And for everyone listening to this, um, you know, we're very familiar with this, uh, with, with this, with this stream and we're working with breweries, uh, in cities that are, you know, otherwise, you know, it's a lot harder for them to have farmers and, and the like, uh, come, come to get the, the grain. We're in Northern California. And then we work with other food companies and we help them develop products, uh, using, this, uh, this, think of it like a flower, uh, but we also have our own line of, of branded products you can find in places like Whole Foods, and so I'm, I'm stoked to get into it more. Kind of the, the, the genesis of this whole thing was uh, I was an underage home brewer uh, when I was at college. I started, I learned how to make beer when I was 19. Um, a, a buddy of mine who was uh, you know, my roommate for, for a lot of college and one of my closest friends, um, his uncle uh, had, had taught him and his brother over I believe it was winter break of our freshman year, and he came back all all jazzed on on brewing. He's like, "Man, we gotta we gotta get out there and and make some beer." Um, and we started brewing, kind of like a, like a lot of us do, using a you know a partial partial mash with some extract. There was a great uh, I was in I was at UCLA, so Culver City Homebrew was not too far away, and uh, we were pretty blown away by what felt like a loophole that we could perfectly legally go into the homebrew shop and buy all the ingredients and the equipment that we need needed to make beer, even though we couldn't go into a grocery store to, to buy beer. Um, and we <laughs> <laughs> fell in love with the hobby. We made beer uh, every week um, when we eventually we ended up, it's kind of embarrassing to admit now, but you know, I, at the time, uh, this was, this was my, my social life. You know, we, we, we moved into our fraternity house um, and actually kind of common had an arrangement with the, with the uh, the kitchen where we could use the kitchen um, whenever we wanted to to make beer, we actually also commandeered uh, one of the storage rooms in the house and, and used that as a as a fermentation closet. And every Friday, because um, we were very diligent college students at <laughs> diligent at scheduling to make sure that we didn't have Friday class uh, pretty much ever. <laughs> and every so every Friday we'd make beer, and um, it was uh, and we loved it. We pretty soon got into making uh, you know doing all grain batches um, for a lot of the you know the reasons that folks listening to this you know do you just have you know greater ability to kind of 
play around and, and, and customize and um, went from five gallon batches to, to 10 gallon batches. And what really floored me uh, was the amount of grain that we would use to make even just, you know, a five gallon batch of beer. You know, we'd fill our mash tun with 20, sometimes 30 pounds of grain if we were making a really, you know, high gravity brew, which as college students uh, tended to be our priority more often than not. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and, you know, being on this, uh, in this kind of campus environment, we didn't even have uh, recycling, let alone a compost bin to, to take the grain to. I grew up in Northern California with a vegetable garden in my backyard. And um, I joke that if I'd gone to Berkeley or, you know, somewhere that had, you know, these, you know, more of a infrastructure, I guess, for handling organic waste, I probably would have never come up with the idea because what uh, really struck me was every time we made a batch of beer, I was, it felt like I was making, you know, you feel like you're making oatmeal, right? Mixing when you're um, making the mash and then you're, you know, extracting the, the wort from that and you're left with uh, these hydrated, warm, fragrant grains and, I was tipping them into a dumpster, literally, every week. Um, and that just felt wrong. It felt like there was an, uh, it could be an opportunity there and got a little curious. And I'm sure a lot of us have done this on the, you know, that are, that are listening here. And I, I just uh, grabbed, a, you know, some of the grains out of the mash tun and put them in my mouth, chewed them, and was like, wow, this, is, this actually tastes like food. Like, this is, I am making food every time I'm making beer. What are other people doing with this grain? And of course, learned that there's a rich history of uh, large breweries and um, just breweries in general working with you know with ranchers and farmers and having this kind of very uh, synergistic relationship where they would you know uh, give give their grain away or you know sell it at a very low cost uh, for various agricultural uses. Um, but there's home brewers who had. Um, recipes for making you know they make like pizza dough or breads or you know see some brew pubs that you know would, would do the same and thought hey if we can figure out how to make beer i could probably figure i could probably make bread too um and so i tried it and made a, a batch of bread i was like oh, this is pretty good i wonder if people will buy this um and, and pretty soon what we were what i was doing is every every time we made a batch of, of beer i would uh reserve some of the grains and it was pretty rudimentary early on i was just taking the the wet grains, maybe freezing some of them, and we kind of get into a, a more sophisticated way that you can do this at home. And I would actually just mix them in whole into the dough, um, bake off a loaf of bread. People kind of wander into the kitchen. There's always a lot of people around the house and kind of curious about what we were doing. I'd offer to sell them a, you know, a loaf of bread. And it got to the point where I was making a few dozen loaves of bread every week and using the proceeds from that to then buy more ingredients so I could brew more beer for free. And that was really the... The genesis of this whole thing it sent me down this really exciting line of inquiry into what the um you know the just booming craft beer industry was doing especially urban breweries that um you know have a bit of a different uh environment in which they need to handle their um, their byproduct streams and you know opportunities to help food companies create great tasting you know better for you better for the planet foods but early on it was not so altruistic really it was just hey we've got a lot of this stuff can we make something that people will buy and then use the proceeds from that to to brew more beer? And that was ten years ago. It's been a lot, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and let's talk a bit about like, for example, what is left over, right? So, for example, we, we all know that you like you said it's it's kind of like you're making oatmeal, and what's left is actually the oatmeal portion, and people can either. I, I, I'll admit that when I do it. 
I throw it right into my compost and try to reuse it there. And so my question would be, if I were, what is actually left there? Because obviously we take some sugar out, but there's still a ton left in the grain when you're done, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's really, the, there's nothing, I'm so glad to hear that you're composting. Um, and that's that's the most basic form of recycling for organic materials. Um, and compost is super, super important, but it's really a question of highest use. So, you know, you're going to compost like eggshells, for example, because you're not going to eat eggshells. But if you have um, food that you can eat, you know, it's, it, it's, it's better to eat it. So it's all about, uh, and it's, we call it upcycling. It's about finding the, the highest use, which is, um, there's, actually, there's actually a whole pyramid around uh, food recovery that the EPA put out and uh, feeding, you know, feeding people is at the very top of that pyramid, as, as, as you might expect. And the reason why it's compelling to do that with, uh, with quote unquote spent grain, and I put it in quotes because the only reason this stuff is called spent grain is because it's spent its ability to make more beer. It's a technical term uh, from the brewing industry because, you know, most, uh, you know, brewers, home brewers, even commercial brewers, you know, you're ext- the whole goal with the grain is to extract the fermentable sugars, right? And, you know, of course, yep. there's flavor, flavor implications and, and such from that. And if you're really efficient, do you know what your efficiency is for your, your home system? Yeah, my efficiency is anywhere between seventy-five and eighty yeah. percent. I get pretty good. I get pretty good efficiency. That's that's really solid for uh, for for homebrew system, and that's uh, that means what? It means that you're you're effi- that efficient at extracting the sugars from the grains, right? So it means that you know if you've got an eighty percent efficiency, there's you know twenty percent of the you know the, the sugars basically. You know, put I'm, I'm oversimplifying a bit, but that's effectively how, you know how you can think about it. And but everything else is still there. So all the protein. And fiber, and it's both dietary fiber and um, non-dietary fiber, which is also known as prebiotic fiber, which feed, is, is a, you know, is a, can get into digestive health a bit if it's um, if you think it's interesting. But it's basically the food for you think of probiotics. You know, that's the that's like the fauna, and prebiotics is the flora. You know, so it's like the food for the having like a healthy healthy gut biome. Um, and the grain which, for brewing is loaded. Which with makes it. sense because one of the processes for creating a lactobacillus fermentation is taking a handful of unwashed grain and soaking it in wort, and you there get a lactobacillus fermentation that way. Um, so it, the, it, there's a process in brewing that already kind of utilizes that factor, right? Yeah, and as it relates to digestive health, you know, when you when you eat this stuff as a you know as a, as a human, it, it's it's really good for for your gut. Um, uh, and so there's, it's actually got about, uh, you know, an average about 20% protein by weight. That's very similar to an almond. You know, if you were to kind of compare this to, to something else, as opposed to like a, you know, a traditional flour or something like that is, is less than 10% uh, protein. And so it's, it's loaded with, pro, with, with protein, with, with fiber, with, um, you know, there's some interesting micronutrients, you know, in there, and it's also got great flavor, um, and some functional properties, it turns out when you, Use it. You know, we've now, if you can name it, we've probably rebranded at this point from, you know, <laughs> snacks and bakery items to, you know, things like, like breads and pizza doughs and crackers to even applications that you might not think of, like sauces, um, coatings for, you know, things like, uh, like a fish and chips, uh, things like, uh, actually it's called a binder extender for like, like meat systems or like plant-based meat. You know, you can use it as a ingredient for that. So there's actually a lot of really great stuff in there. One of the ways I like to explain it to folks is, you know, a lot of people are very familiar with, uh, with whey protein, W-H-E-Y. Um, it's in, uh, you know, the supplement aisle, it's in a lot of, of health products as a, a source of protein. 
uh, whey protein. It comes from sweet whey, which is a byproduct from from dairy, uh, specifically. You know, a lot of it comes from cheese making. And decades ago, cheesemakers had a very similar uh, arrangement. You know, with with what they would do with their with their excess whey. Um, uh, some of it would would go to farmers. Some of it would go to Agricultural uses, yeah, but then you know the bottom line was they had to get rid of it before they could make more cheese, right? Much like how a brewer, you got to get rid of your grain if you want to make more, want to make more beer. Um, and a market was developed for it, you know, for food. And now there's actually uh, way producers where cheese is the, you know, cheese is the byproduct. Um, and so, and it, <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy, right? It totally flips, and it's 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 I think a really good example of. I guess the realization of, of, of what I would describe as latent value, you know, there's, there's value in this. It's just not valuable to the brewer. Um, and so what we're looking to do as regrant is to help, um, you know, through, uh, to use the word again, value, you know, value added processing to make it so that it's actually shelf stable and food safe um, because it spoils very quickly. That's one of the main challenges with it and actually help, help connect the dots and, and, and create a market, you know, for this, that puts, puts our resources to best use, you know, so we want to help create a food system where we can, where we can do more with less, where we can be, you know, more efficient and value the limited and precious resources that we have as a planet to sustain life. Um, and that's, uh, you know, a bit of, I guess, getting into the philosophy a little bit, but that's, that's how we think about it. Yeah. And, and it's so cool that it's kind of something where it stemmed from your home brewing and you saw the need there immediately and then realized quickly that it was something that was a problem at scale, right? Uh, you know, yes, for a home brewer, we're talking about 10 or 20 pounds of grain, but for an industrial brewer, we're talking about many thousands and thousands of tons of grain, right? Yeah, and, so, and I can actually just put it in perspective a bit. So, like, it's about the equivalent of a pound of grain for every six-pack of beer. I mean, you know, it's kind of, if you want to break it down into its most, uh, you know, bite-sized kind of, kind of format there. Um, for a commercial brewery, you know, they're even, like, a small, like, urban craft brewery is likely using a few million pounds. You know, as, as a domestic industry, there's, we estimate there's about 20 billion pounds of grain used per year to, to make beer. I mean, that's, that's, I that's joke, a, it's a metric fuckloads, you know, it's a, it's a, lot, of, <laughs> it's a lot of grain. That is uh, a lot of grain. That is, but, but that's also in, in your business now, that's a lot of raw material, right? It's a lot of raw material. It's funny too, cause it's not like we, you know, the actual, so we went from, Okay, we're hobby home brewers. Um, let's make some bread, sell it to friends. We can brew for free. That's clever and fun, and we can all feel good about it. What if? And then I was inspired by this idea of having a brewery bakery concept. So actually, starting a craft, you know, a craft brewery that was also a bakery, um, and you, you know, we would be a fully circular operation, which um, I still think someone should do, or I would love to do it at some point uh, when. Uh, you know, have the I guess luxury of being able to focus on on something like that because what when it what ended up happening as we went through the exercise of of looking at creating a, a business plan for for that, um, started talking you know interviewing owners of craft breweries and this is a time when about two new craft breweries were opening per day in the in the country and realized okay well we could do this but there's already this huge existing supply. And I was meeting breweries that were actually um, having to pay to have their grain hauled away because of where they were located. Um, you know, you look at a city like San Francisco and there's more breweries than neighborhoods. And that's the case in, uh, you know, in a lot of the, a lot of the country. And so you can kind of uh, hopefully, you know, put yourself in our, 
in our in our shoes and imagine how how uh, like logically the the vision just kept expanding to you know where it is now where we we want to be uh, to use a little bit of jargon uh, like the, the the platform you know connecting the dots between breweries and, and food producers and also other you know beverage producers where there's analogous byproducts that could be put to better use with some innovative you know processing um, and just culinary creativity as well yeah and, and let's let's talk about that a bit on the homebrewer scale let's say i'm a homebrewer and i want to reuse some of my grains that i have uh you talk a bit about you know adding them to bread but at the beginning of this call before we start recording you talked a bit about there's a you you have a process to make a really cool flour that you could do at the homebrew scale what what does that process look like yeah it's it's very simple time is the most important ingredient uh, with reusing or, or upcycling your own grains from brewing, um, the, the challenge actually is that it's very unstable, you know, so that it's very wet, right? It's very hydrated. Um, no matter how good you are at extracting as much as you can from, from the mash, it's, um, it's, it's incredibly wet, which means it spoils uh, very quickly. I mean, you have less than, uh, less than a day to, to do something uh, with it. Now, that something can be freezing it. Um, or, or refrigerating it, so it's like the, you could put it in the in the fridge, um, and it'll it'll stay for longer. You could freeze it, and it'll stay for even you know even even longer than that. Um, but the best thing to do is to dry it out. Once you have it, once you dry it out, uh, it is as shelf stable as you know the dry ingredients that you keep in your pantry. Um, the best way at just a very basic home scale, you know, is is actually just to use your oven, um, you know, and, and, and sheet trays. And lay out uh, a few sheet trays of of grain, and you can do this actually while you finish the rest of your your brew day. Put it on a very low uh, low temperature, you know, something like two hundred degrees. You know, kind of, actually, the the lower and the longer you go, uh, the less likely you're going to be to burn it. Um, convection works better, you know, than just a, a straight oven. So if you can get some air circulation there, it'll it'll dry it out faster, and, and stir it every you know forty five minutes or so, and you know after a few hours. Of, of doing that, you don't need to be watching it super closely. It just it does it just needs to have some time uh, in you know in the oven to to, to dry out um, and start around. And once it it'll, it'll kind of create a lot of steam. You know, you'll see the the, the water you know evaporating as, as as steam. And at a certain point, before you want to you want to stop it before it starts to get really like toasted and roasted. You don't want to roast the grains. Um, it'll create like off flavors and. Uh, be more be bitter uh, but once it's dry just kind of let it cool off and um, you can store it like that uh, or you can use a coffee grinder or like a Nutribullet or something like that to um, or, or a Roboku if you have if you have something like that to uh, grind it into a powder you know and then that will keep also again shelf stable and you can incorporate it into into recipes so maybe you're making pancakes on the weekend and it calls for a cup of flour when you're making pancakes Try taking, start with just uh, 25%, a quarter cup, put a quarter cup of your, of your spent grain flour um, in, in, in that mix and uh, see, see how you like it and kind of do some, just like you do with your beer, do some experiments, see if you want to put more in because you really like the flavor. And, you know, even at about 15%, you're getting a FDA good source of fiber in almost any recipe. Um, and so kind of play around with different percentage inclusions on um, recipes that you already know, like, you know, pancakes or cookies or, you know, or bread. If you're doing like a yeasted bread um, or, or sourdough, you know, there's, there's some nuance there. Like I, rec- I definitely recommend 
uh, getting a strong starter going and then mixing it into the dough, not into the Levon. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's really fun to play with. We actually, like, we have a lot of, you know, some of them are like world-renowned chefs that actually love playing with this ingredient because of its flavor. And it also happens to bring a lot of nutrition. And oh, by the way, this helps reduce uh, food waste. You know, this helps put resources to, to their best use. So it's kind of something that tastes great. It's good for you. And, and it feels good because it's good for the planet. So when you were figuring out this process, did you make any mistakes and uh, make it, you know, make a product that wasn't good to eat or tasted uh, good? <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, we've made like uh, almost every mistake in the, the book, probably, <laughs> even though trying, <laughs> trying not to. I mean, what I, what I joke about our early days is that we had a product that tasted like a good idea. <laughs> you know people people were psyched and we were clever too like we, we came up with the tagline eat beer and we put that on on everything we still have like shirts and stickers and stuff that's that say eat beer and um it was really the concept that, that people were were excited about it's not that the products were bad they just weren't uh you know we were not professional product developers right and so our first uh so we were making bread realized okay bread is awesome um i, I love gluten <laughs> i love bread I'm, uh, I'm a fan of gluten as well yeah good. I, would, <laughs> I would hope so um yeah we don't subscribe to the religion of gluten-free well it's it, it's it's funny i did a show on gluten-free homebrewing and i made a gluten-free batch of beer out of sorghum and it, it's it's good it just is it it's just different and uh i'm not knocking anybody who's a gluten-free homebrewer i think that uh, there's an entire world of uh, alternative grains out there that i'm still very very interested in but it is something where uh it, it's just it it i i love a glass of beer it just has the it, it just the head retention everything about it that and and gluten is part of it and i love yeah, it yeah and we're and we're for it sounds like we're both fortunate to not have you know celiacs or, or anything yeah exactly like, like that and exactly so, um yeah, call me, you know, call us purists, I guess. But yeah, so you know, love gluten, <laughs> love, love making bread. Problem with bread is it's kind of similar to beer. It's uh, It takes a long time to make, um, it, especially when you're trying to make, crank out, you know, dozens of, of loaves. And so the idea of having a commercial bakery was pretty pretty out of the question for like fresh baked bread because the other problem is the next day it's not fresh bread anymore. Yep. So inventory planning is also really tough. Um, and so then my, so my now mother-in-law actually um had a great home granola recipe, which I asked her for. And we modified that and we were, you know, kind of played around with loose granola and we're like, Oh, this is pretty good. And it stays good for, you know, a lot longer. Um, and this was, uh, we also, I'm a very, you know, I love to, to recreate in the outdoors and you know, my, my business, uh, my co-founder and I both were, you know, into like biking and skiing and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And, um, we ate a lot of bars and we we're like, Oh, well, if we can make granola, why don't we just like cut them into a rectangle? And that's a bar. And the first first ones were like packaged in literally in Ziploc bags. And then we got like these compostable sleeves that we were heat sealing um, and just like selling. You know, I was a granola dealer basically <laughs> my senior year of college. Um, and the product, again, it tasted like a good idea. Like we weren't milling it into a, pow- into a flour at the time. We didn't have a mill. And we just kind of, we really were just trying to get feedback and see if people, you know, if, it, if anything was, was resonating about what we were trying to do. And so it was very, like, I would describe it as pokey, you know, the, the grains are sharp there. They have, whole, they have, it's a hole. Um, yep. and they were, uh, you know, not the best texture, I, I, I would say. Um, so that's, you know, one, one example of, you know, we didn't start with like the perfect food product. The whole thing with creating the bar was just to, see if people would buy this and to learn and to kind of figure out if we had a, a, a real idea or not. Um, 
you know, another thing that we did once we started sourcing from craft breweries, we, we learned a lot. Um, just to share a quick story there. Uh, you know, we, so we were originally using just our own grain and then we're like, okay, we want to like work with craft breweries and, and, and rescue their grain and, um, kind of create a, a service, you know, for them, even though we were like super small scale, we were like picking up, you know, 50 pounds at a time, like nothing yeah. compared to what, uh, especially nothing compared to what we're doing now. Um, and the first brewery that we spoke to, uh, actually the, the owner of this brewery ended up investing in the business later on. Uh, they, they were like, yeah, come on, come on by. And, and we came to pick up, we were like, great. You know, and we came to pick up the grain and it was, it, it had been sitting in a, not even in a silo. It was like in a, basically in a dumpster, you know, out, out back, um, which, uh, was not for like this is not food safe. We cannot feed this to, to people. It's just, like in our own, we were because when we're making our own beer, it's like okay, we've well, got this. It's a food grade. It's a food process of you know you're it's hot and it's, um, you know it's safe and we're going straight from like, a you know a, a sanitized food container to a like a kitchen equipment where we were yeah, yeah processing food, it, right yeah and it's going right into a, like a it's going from your 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 mash tun right into a five gallon food safe bucket. Right. And, yeah. 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 And then, you know, we're drying it, you know, drying it out or make, mixing it into to a recipe and using it. And then we're like, oh, OK. So the, when we work with a brewery, we got to come up. With, you know, remember, we were like 22 at the time. Uh, we got to come up with a way to do this. That's that's food safe, obviously. Um, and so we you know that that helped us realize, you know, uh, d- develop our our partnership model and you know the, really what a lot of it comes down to is just having a close relationship with the brewery and you know we knew that we needed to show up like during their brew day when they're mashing out and uh instead of bailing out into whatever they were using before we came along uh, providing our own containers you know for for that which we would then at the time haul away in our subaru <laughs> you know it's like very basic um uh, similar to that too like one time there's another another brewery um one of our early brewery partners at craft brewery in san francisco and um they every year make an oyster stout um and their method for making an oyster stout i learned after i had already done the relatively back-breaking work at this brewery because you have to have to dig into the mash tun with a um this like food grade shovel basically <laughs> and uh i was down like a few flights of stairs i threw up my back a few times working at that place um but they, they, t- they were i was about to leave and they're like oh by the way you want some oysters like they were they're in the in the mash i was like oh they're shellfish in this <laughs> in this grain like that's an allergen like we that's not <laughs> so we were like oh okay so not only do we need to coordinate the timing and things like that uh you know this all we all learned this like pretty quickly really early on but it was i think a good example of just adapting and we were like oh so we also need to talk to them about what they're making you know what the grain bill is um because uh, we need to have a consistent safe you know scalable supply and so like a lot of stuff like that um yeah it's it's like the 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 growing and learning what's actually it's like hey i have this great idea in concept and then once you get into the reality you start to see the little nuances that happen on a daily scale right and uh being able to make that into something that's more scalable right 100 percent. yeah and let's talk a bit about regrain now and and what what scale you guys are when it comes to like how how much grain are you processing right now as a company yeah, so we're uh, we actually just built the machine that we um, developed with the USDA that I was that I was talking about at the at the at the top of the show. So we, you know, we knew that we had to figure out how to process. And even taking a, a further step back, like the, one of the reasons why this hasn't been su- successful in the past is because it's exceptionally difficult to economically, in a food safe way, um, t- 
take the this incredibly hydrated material from the breweries and create a shelf stable um, you know desirable ingredient out of it and we learned about a group at the USDA called the Agricultural Research Service that was looking at creating they call it creating novel ingredients out of plant-based waste which is like a super dorky way to describe upcycling and so I wrote the government a cold email and I was like hey you know this is this is, we're regrained this is what our vision is we know we've got a great idea we don't know how to scale Can, um, is this something you could help with and they wrote back within a day and said, this is exactly what we're here to help with. Um, can you come in? And through a few years of, of working together, we had a breakthrough um, that, that we were able to end up patenting around how we can have a really high throughput process for um, doing what I just described, you know, creating a, a scalable scalable process. And so we, we, we just built that machine in, in, in 2019 and we're about to turn on this plant. It can do about a ton an hour. Um, and so it's got pretty incredible capacity uh, to create supply. So whereas like the bottleneck previously was how much we could we could process, you know, now we have, um, and that's just one machine. We've got room for you know for two. You know, our vision is to kind of co-locate these at breweries and various production facilities, uh, you know, around, around the world to create more localized supply and not have to like ship stuff around as much. Um, you know, and so that's. You know, there's a, a big difference between uh, picking up a five-gallon, you know, container of this stuff and and running, you know, a ton of it uh, every every hour through these through these machines. Right now, we're doing a bit of a scaled-down process of that. We're doing um, a few tons a week, uh, and you know, we're then creating, uh, you know, creating. Think of it like a flower. We call it Super Grain Plus. You know, we're not calling this spent grain. This is regrained Super Grain Plus, uh, which is a bit of a mouthful. But what's cool about the plus is on a nutrition label, we can call out. The plus is uh, just like you see an asterisk for organic, for organic products, and we can say, hey, this is an upcycled ingredient using using the plus, and it's a super grain because it's a concentration of all the nutrients that don't end up in the beer, um, and you know it goes into our line of nutrition bars, which are sold in places like like Whole Foods and this new line of puffs, which are uh, mostly available online right now, but at places like REI too. COVID's been uh, you know, change the plan a bit as to how, you know, where, <laughs> where, where, changed where everybody's plans. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. And so we're, um, and then we're in very active development with a, a large number of, of companies of, of various sizes uh, with some, some products already on the market that are using super grade plus and, uh, you know, more coming in 2021. And, you know, we expect the ingredient sales, kind of that partnership model uh, side of our business to be the, the main kind of source source of revenue, the main focus. Uh, it's already the main focus, but the main driver of, of revenue by uh, 2022 and you know and beyond. And so we're a lot of kind of blue sky ahead as to what we're what we're looking to do now that we have this uh, this plant uh, ready to go and the scalable supply. And now it's about uh, commercializing the demand side of the business. Uh, that's that's really really cool, especially when you think about. I, I I love your idea where you're saying, "Hey, we could take the machine to the brewery, and as it's spitting out the one side, it's going right into the machine and 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 basically being processed right into a food product, right? And it's just it, it makes it's almost to be honest, it's it's almost back to your original vision where you were like, "Hey, I want to make a brewery with a with a with a bakery in the front." You're essentially doing that except for at a larger scale and doing it at a process that would actually, you know, make a food ingredient versus just loaves of bread. So, it's kind of cool how it's 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 still a twist on the original idea in a way. So, if I were interested about Regrained and I wanted to learn more about maybe some of the products that you're making, where would I go? Yeah, so our, our website's just regrained.com. We're also super active on 
on Instagram. Love to hear from people. Um, you know, my email is just dan at, at regrain.com. We actually have a really cool opportunity open right now. It's not actually, we actually haven't shared it publicly yet. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and share it with, with you, with you and with your, with your audience. One of the ways that we've, we've actually funded our business is through something called equity crowdfunding. So it's where our community and where individuals, um, not venture capitalists can actually own shares in the, in the company, even though it's, it's very small and not publicly traded. Um, it, it's, we're doing it through something called WeFunder. There's a ton of information about the business too, on this, uh, this portal. It's a, it's WeFunder.com. So, uh, WeFunder, W-E-Funder dot com slash uh, regrained um, and there's a lot of information about the business uh, there that's um, you know we'd be stoked for for more home brewers to be you know in our community of, of investors we, we first did one of these campaigns in in 2018 and for us it's about democratization of of our mission and of our, of our success and of kind of we're, we're really trying to create a, a movement here that's helping to build a better food system and you know as many folks as we can get uh, passionate about that and thinking about how they you can reduce food waste at home how you can use your own spent grain at home and uh you know that's uh that's what keeps us going that's awesome and actually if you're listening to the show i'll put links to their website and i'll also put a link to their uh fundraising effort in the show notes so if you feel like this is something you want to dig a little bit more into or possibly support just uh, click on the link in the show notes well, Dan, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show this week. It, it was this was a really, really interesting conversation, just because it, it's something that you. It starts off feeling so simple, but in the end, become it is actually a really cool process that you've created here. And I'm excited to see where you guys are going to be in five years. It's it, it does feel a bit like the sky's the limit. So I'm excited for you guys. Yeah, I really appreciate you having having me on here, and I'm excited to hear what what you do with your own grain after you make your, your next batch of beer. I'll have to send me a send me a picture of some some cookies or something. Oh man, I you know I I might have to make some flour. I, I'm in I'm on the sourdough kick right now. So ah yes, uh, we we should talk more about that. I make a lot of sourdough, and I use our our flour in, in, uh, on, on the regular. I can I can hook you up with a recipe. Oh yeah, we're we're definitely getting that because uh, I I personally. Emma, I'm making sourdough every week, and my sourdough is, in, and I'm actually teaching my neighbor across the street, uh, Aaron, who you do know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been teaching him, and he's been the the he's been the recipient of most of my extra loaves. So <laughs> nice. No, I, I I love that. Maybe we can, you know, we'll uh, follow up on the on the recipe. Maybe that's something you can you can provide on your on your website too for yeah, for we, folks. Yeah, we could definitely do that. So. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, if there's ever a time that you want to come back, just reach out. We'll, we're glad to have you back. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Cheers. I'd like to thank Dan for taking the time to come on this week's show. If you want to find out more information about Regrained or even get a bit more information on some really cool recipes from Dan on what you can do with your spent grain, head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and look in the show notes. There you'll find all kinds of information about today's episode and uh, you might, we'll even have the link in there to where you can find more information about if you want to invest in Regrained. Kind of a cool little announcement that he made there today on the show. 
And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can head over to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Just look for us under Homebrewing DIY, all one word. Give us a follow. We love to talk to you on all of our social channels. Well, that's it for this week. And we'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY. Homebrewing DIY.